our second. This is kind of like the identity message, a series of messages that are um, really designed for this month and then the first week of March. Last week, we talked about we are second to him. The answer's on the screen there. Um, we are second to him. And, and this week, we're talking about we are second to his call. Now, we are second to him. We used our imaginations last week, Right? Was that amazing? Like, we were able to, like, imagine, like, okay, Jesus, it's not just the fact that he's holy. Yes, he is. It's not just the fact that he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God. All of these factual, informational things we know about Jesus, those are very, very good. But last week, we used our imaginations to imagine Jesus a little differently, to maybe unlock some things that maybe we missed in the past. And so we talked about Jesus being the way. We talked about Jesus being the door. We imagined our dream house without the door on it, right? So that was very uncomfortable for some of us. And then there's, um, the, we talked about Jesus being the chain breaker and being the healer and the provider and what those things start to imagine for us about who he is to us in our lives. And so we say, you know what, Jesus first around here. We say it all the time, and that's why we call ourselves second place. But today we're talking about that we are second to his call. And, and you know, this kind of a talk I think, and I hope, helps you understand what's really making this place tick. Is, is how are these people thinking when they show up here? And, and what are they, how do they make decisions? And how do they decide like, to take risks and to step out and to see things happen? All of these things are, are things that I hope that are going to be helpful for, to you to say, man, these are my people. These are my people. This is what we think about. This is how we roll. And I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know where you're going for lunch after this. But um, I'm sure, guys, that um, if you're here with that, that special someone, um, you're going to basically defer and say, hey, you know what? You go ahead and you make the call on where we go to lunch. I don't really care where we go, right? This is where you nod, all right? But honestly, not really. Because we like to make the call, right? All of us do. We like to make the call. We like to say, okay, this is where we're going. I have a taste for this. This is what, what's happening. And we love to make the call when it comes to that. It comes to a lot of different stuff. When it comes to our life, when it comes to relationships, we like to make the call. But today is about saying that maybe we need to consider the fact, especially if we call ourselves followers of Jesus and we put Jesus first, that his call is the priority to our call. His call is the call that actually takes priority. And so it's so hard. But the interesting thing is that God is always calling us. He's always whispering to us. He's always kind of saying, hey, giving us that little nudge to say, maybe you should decide to go this direction with your life. Some of you are on the very edge of that, where you're just learning about Jesus and you're starting to understand what it is to follow him. I want to encourage you today because the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples wasn't believe in me and do everything I say. He actually just says, follow me. So if you can just say, I'll follow you, now you've got something to work with and you can begin to learn from him. But God is always calling us no matter where we are in our walk with him. And here's the thing. I'm going to talk about two ways that God calls us today. Both of them are, are not so fun to talk about, but I think they're important for us to talk about because we see them in scripture all over the place. 
And the two ways that I want to talk about the fact that God calls us, and by the way, he calls us in many different ways, right? And out of different things and two different things. But the two ways I want to look at today is this, this idea. Number one is that God calls us out of our comfort zone. The second is that he calls us out of our pain. And I want to look at the first one, which is God calls us out of our comfort. And if you have a Bible, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, what we're going to look at. And if you'd like a Bible, you walk right past them in the back there. You should grab one. Um, if you'd like, still, like one, you can still grab one. But Genesis 12, 1 through 4 is where we're going to start with. And we're going to look at when God calls Abraham, or at this moment in time, his name is Abram. And so here we go. Jesus, we love you, and we have desired for this moment, really, all of our lives. We may not know it, Lord, but you have designed this moment for us to connect with you. So, Lord, we know that you are the, you are the teacher, and we are the student, and we are ready to learn from your word. And Lord, today especially, as we talk about the things that really are to be a priority in our life, I pray God that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts to see you in a new and different way. And to see how our call needs to be second to your call. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Genesis 12, 1-4 says this. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So we see in this passage, um, and you can kind of back up to the first slide, Matt, is that we see that God calls Abraham out of his home, his people, his country, his family. Now there's a lot of history here, and there's a lot of different um, conversations that happen around what exactly did did that place look like that he left? And, and some would say that he actually left some pretty luxurious accommodations, that there was quite a city that he left from. There's even people that would say there's evidence of like running water um, inside homes and, and flushing toilets. So I'm just telling you what's out there, right? But they say that that's what he left, and he went, and he went, and we know from Hebrews 11 that he went, and he didn't know where he was going. How many of us love to get in the car with somebody and be like, I don't know where we're going, let's just drive? Okay, Hannah, all right, there's one of you in here. We don't like to do that. The first thing we do if we're not exactly sure how to get there is we throw it on the old GPS, and we make sure that we have our route figured out. And then we're like, ooh, there's another route that's a little, maybe a little quicker, or whatever, we want to check the traffic. We want to know where we're going and what is in between here and there. And Abraham doesn't know. He's not told. God says, I'm going to bring you to a land that I will show you. And Abraham is called out of comfort. And he's out of his comfort zone. And he's called to a place that he doesn't even know where he's going. And I think this is interesting because... There isn't a lot in there. There's just like, so Abraham went. Abram went. He just went. He just went. Like, 
It's crazy. And Hebrews 11 says, by faith he went. But I think he avoided something very interesting that I think we all experience. Is that when we get too comfortable, we get apathetic. And I talked about apathy with the Reboot students this weekend. And I said, anybody know what apathy is? And they're like, ah. Yeah, you know, they were like, I don't know. Apathy is just kind of this, this idea that we just don't really care. And, and when we get too comfortable, I mean, think about it. You guys, anybody walk here? I mean, it's happening, right? So y'all, y'all got here by not walking. Did anybody ride their bike? That's happened too. No? Everybody came in a vehicle? Oh, blessings to you, you know? You guys are... Are, are just so like with it with that you know you just drove here and you guys you guys are hopefully going to eat maybe three meals today if you're on that kind of routine right you're going to get three meals today good for you that's awesome and oh my goodness thank you for wearing clothes today i appreciate that um you guys look fairly cozy is the temperature okay like are we good i have some i mean carol's like i don't know man it's all right you know <laughs> The light is a little too dim. We get that a lot, you know? It's like we try to bring that up a little bit. Can you see your, can you see everything? You're kind of comfortable, right? You're comfortable. And when we get too comfortable, we can kind of get to a point where we don't kind of care. Or maybe a little worse is that we kind of care, but we're just too lazy. We get lazy. And when it comes to our faith, oh my goodness. Like when it comes to our faith, we can get comfortable. Oh man, you know what? I go to church on Sundays and then I'm good. You know, I check it off the box. I'm good. I'm good for the week and everything's great. And we get lazy and we start to not hear God and we start to not notice when God is kind of nudging us because we haven't really prayed in a long time. Because, well, I don't want to sleep. I don't want to get up. I don't want to necessarily spend time with God. I'd rather spend time with the pillow. I like really like to do that. I, I'm, I've been working hard and I, I try to earn a lot in my living. I just want, I just want to be able to do that. And we get lazy. And then some point in this season, we wake up and we say, man, we feel really alone. I don't know if God really cares anymore. I don't know if he really notices the fact that I, I, I'm really struggling here. And we're just lazy. Abram didn't have to face that. You know, maybe we don't have a lot of background about where he was, but, you know, in terms of his, his mind, his mental state. But, you know, it seems like he didn't get to the point where there was something that was uncomfortable enough for him that he decided to go. Now, I, I would say that it's pretty easy to see that something convinced him to go. Number one, he didn't have a son. And that bothered him, especially when God throws in this idea that he's going to be blessed, like he's going to bless all the nations of the earth through him, but he doesn't have a son. He doesn't have any way to, to continue his lineage. He doesn't have that in ancient times, that ability to do that. He's a, and, and so he's got something in him that's uncomfortable enough that kind of pushes him to say, I'm going to do this. God calls Abraham out of his comfort, and something was just uncomfortable enough for him to go. And I believe that in all of us, that there is something just uncomfortable enough that God has put in us that causes us to take a step, that causes us, us to give or to sign up to volunteer or to somehow be involved and to maybe raise our hands during worship, maybe clap. We clapped in the first song. That was amazing. Good job. Like, we did that. Give yourself a hand. Yeah, look at that. You're clapping again. Good. So, like, 
we do these things because there's something inside us that wants more. And God says, I'm going to bless every nation through you, Abraham. And he's like, you know what? I'm going. And he goes. God's call, priority over his call. God's call is the priority over his call. Second way that God calls us is he calls us out of our pain. And I want to look at the story of Moses and when he's called by God very early in his, in his, I guess, adventure to rescue the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it's in Exodus 3, verse 7 through 11. And it looks like this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Like, look at, back up one, one slide real quick. When you look at that slide, you see misery. You see that they're crying. You see that they are suffering. These people are slaves. Go ahead. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, the students that were at Reboot, we talked about Moses, right? We know that Moses now has a conversation with God, you know, in the burning bush. Not weird at all, but he has a conversation with God. And if you look at it, it's kind of like a text message conversation, right? So God's like, you're going to go. Moses is like, no, I'm not. God's like, nope, you're for sure going to go. Moses like, I'm really not going to go. I don't know how to talk. God's like, nope, you're for sure going to go. Moses like, surely I am not going. And then God says, you're going to go. And then Moses leaves the chat because he says this. He says, find someone else. And he's out. You know what the next line of scripture is? It says this, God's anger burned against Moses. Woo, I don't want, I don't want that. I'm back in the chat. All right. And God says, I've got Aaron, your brother. He's going to be your mouthpiece. He's going to be the one that speaks for you. You're going to speak through. He's going to speak through. I'm going to speak through you. You're going to, he's going to speak all the words that I give you to speak to. And there's, that's what God does. And so Moses is an unwilling participant, all right? He doesn't want to go, but somehow he felt the anger of God. He tried to leave the chat, and then the next was like almost zero like setup. It just says, so Moses went back to Egypt. <laughs> yeah, you did. And so sometimes God's call is like, man, and here's think about it, right? So we're talking about God calling us out of our pain. But think about this. Moses, he skipped out of Egypt because he killed the guy. And he ends up meeting his wife and her whole family. At this time, he's married. He's got a extended family. He's probably got a couple of sons, unlike Abraham, who has no son. He's got a couple of sons. He's got a job. He's actually out working when God calls him. I mean, hey, guys, ever thought about that? You ever think that God might call you while you're at work? Look out. He might. And so God, God speaks to him, and, and he really, in a way, he's kind of comfortable, right? He's kind of like buried the past, and he's kind of like come into this, this zone of like, hey, man, I've got family, I've got all this stuff, I'm good. And then God says, hey, I need you to go to the pain. 
I need you to go to the pen. My people are not okay. Oh, by the way, your people are not okay, Moses. And we're going to do something about it. And I'm going to use you to do it. And so not only does God call us out of our pain, God calls Moses into the pain in order to deliver him out of the pain. Somebody need to write that down. Moses is called into the pain of the people in order to bring them out of the pain so that they can experience true freedom. And I believe that that's what God does. Before he calls you out of the pain, he calls you into it first. And when you go into the pain, it takes perseverance. It takes a lot of heart. So here's a couple of thoughts that I want you to remember. Number one is this. We move when the discomfort is greater than the comfort. I think Tony Robbins says something similar, but I never can get it right. It's like, we change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, right? Or something like that. I never can understand. I never follow, right? I'm like, I think it's like this. Okay, you get it? Help me out. You get it? We move when the discomfort, oh, Abraham, I don't have a son. Oh, I don't know if this is really where I should be. This is, this is that discomfort. It becomes greater than my comfort. We move when that happens, right? And we also move, we also move when the promise of our freedom becomes greater than our fear. When the promise of freedom becomes greater than our fear, that's when we move. The people of God, Moses, somehow was convinced by God that there is a promise of freedom, that he is going to rescue the people of God. And I know that you're fearful. I know that you're scared. But we're going to leave Egypt, and we're going to do it, and we're going to deal with the pain, and we're going to walk out of there, and we're going to have all kinds of stuff. We're going to have all kinds of stuff from the Egyptians, gold and all stuff. We're going to like literally raid them while we leave. But that's when we move. We move when the promise of freedom is greater than our fear. So a couple of questions for you as you're kind of wrestling with this. Um, where have you become too comfortable? Where have you become too comfortable? I, I believe that Jesus is calling you out of that. Because nothing great happens in your comfort zone. Good things happen in your comfort zone, like being in a warm bed and like being able to eat three times a day. It's great. Your comfort zone is sometimes cozy, but nothing great happens there. It's when you step out and you see God move and you attempt something that you could never accomplish by yourself. But you say, you know what? The only way this is going to work is if God shows up. That's when greatness happens. What is making you uncomfortable? Well, God might be calling you to that. He might be calling it. There's a, a thought out there called holy discontent. And that is, is something that is in this world that is not okay. And everyone else sees it too, but no one else seems to be fired up enough about it. And you feel like, man, there has got to be something that has to be done about this issue. And you are fired up about it. That's what we call a little holy discontent. When you're a follower of Jesus, those little promptings come from the Holy Spirit. Man, those things are things that God wants you to do something about. And he calls you into that uncomfortableness and say, you know what? We're going to call you into that pain and we're going to be able to help somehow bring people out of that pain. Where is the pain? The third question. 
first one was, where have I become too comfortable? The second one, what is making me uncomfortable? The, second, the third one is this idea, is where is the pain? Is the pain with you? Is the pain with others? Is the pain physical? Is it emotional? Is it mental? Where is the pain? And then the fourth question, what is the pain? Is the pain some hurtful words that have been said to you? Is the pain anger that wells up? It's just right below the surface. And man, when you're at second place, it's super good because you can kind of keep it together. But man, if somebody cuts you off in the parking lot, look out. Because it's right there. Is there anger inside? Is there this feeling of unworthiness? Or the fact that you don't have any value? Because somebody spoke something over you when you were small, and you've accepted that lie, that you are not worthy, and that you're not worth anything. The truth of the matter is that God has something to say about that, and he's calling you out of those things. So how can, how can we start to know, like, probably all of us, right? We're all like, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian. Like, I, I follow Jesus. Of course, his call is, is number one. His gift is called number one. I'm number two. I mean, oh, no doubt. But I want you to test that thought. And here's how I want you to test it. Is, is ask this question, how do I know, how can I start to know whether or not his call is the priority over my call? And here's what I will tell you to ask yourself. What am I willing to leave behind? What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to risk? The answer to this question will begin to tell you where God's call and your call are related and how they're connected. Abraham left everything. He left it all. Moses left everything. What are you willing to leave behind? Oh, but you know what? Going to the pain, like, here's the thing. When you're doing this and, and choosing to take this risk is so tough. Because people are going to look at you and they're going to say, like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are we talking about this? This is something that happened 10 years ago. This is something we don't talk about. You know, we pack away those thoughts and feelings and we don't talk about those things. That, that, that thing that happened, we don't talk about that. But as you process that with the proper people and you work through that, you start to become free and you start to walk out of Egypt, you're going to start to look and sound different, man. You're going to start to be noticed by people. People are like, why are you so joyful all of a sudden? Why? What happened to you? Well, because I got freed by the, by the freedom fighter, man, the, that Jesus came to my life and rescued me out of my Egypt. That's what happened to me. When you start to live out of that, so here's what has to be left behind. Sometimes old ways of thinking need to be left behind. Sometimes old ways of relating. Old ways of doing. That anger, that betrayal, that hurt, that has to be dealt with. We have to understand it. We have to say what was going on with that. Why did that happen? What was my role in it? Maybe those are the questions you need to go ask. These are things that I can't do for you. But it's what allows you to start to move into the calling that God has on your life. Is when you choose to say, I will leave it all behind. This is not a super popular like conversation right now, right? Because you all drove here. You guys all, you know, it's a, it's, it's a comfortable place that we're in. But in order to really see God do great things, you've got to be willing to leave it all behind. 
And we're all in different like processes of that. We're all in different places of that. 2010. That's 2009. You get a call from Sarah's brother, and he's like, hey, drive out to Cincinnati. We have a conversation we want to have for you. We, to, we have a question we want to ask you. And I said, just ask me. I don't need to drive to Cincinnati. Like, that doesn't need, that doesn't need to happen. Wouldn't give up, and so I drove out to Cincinnati with Sarah, and he said, I'm thinking that I want to start a church. I want you guys to start with me. 2000, probably 2008. 2009 launched in 2010, February 14th. We opened up second place. We were willing to risk opening up a church in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere, across the street from a bunch of cornfields. And it's hard to leave corn to the Lord, all right? You need people. <laughs> it's hard to get momentum. I mean, I love corn, but we were willing to risk it. 2014. I'm, I'm asked, and I'm, I'm given the microphone as the leader of this place, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a big deal. And I choose to say, you know what, I'm going to make a career change. I'm going to move from what I'm doing, and I'm going to become the leader of second place full-time and make this thing happen. Didn't ask for it. I always like to you know, get around and say they gave me the mic one day, and I never gave it back, and there's a little bit of truth to that. <laughs> Changed my life. And then you roll forward, man. 2014, we did that. 2016, we opened up Provision Lab. And we say, you know what? We want to reach more people. We want to connect more people. We want to collaborate with the government, municipalities, education, civil services, all the different places. We can do more if we have a separate entity doing that because a lot of people stop talking to us when we say we're a church. And then we start Provision Lab. And now we're training utility workers about what to look for in human trafficking. We've, we've done two Love Money events where we've seen hundreds of people affected by it. Because why? Because people from all different churches and government, like institutions and all these different organizations came together and said, let's do something good for this community. That's what we did. We risked it in 2016. And then 2017, we're like, oh man, you know what? Let's go ahead and just like, let's throw out there a coffee brand. And let's like start to think about maybe opening up a coffee shop someday. That's crazy. That needs Jesus. There's not even five people within 10 minutes of this place that will buy coffee. Like, why? And so we risk it. And now we're eating bacon and we're drinking foo-foo drinks and all this stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. I hear the cold brew with the chocolate milk is very good, by the way. <laughs> There's one thing. So we risk that. And, and, and by the way, th th just in terms of like, oh, you know, all the successes. Here, let me just say, here's the thing. The week we opened Historia, we went from having given, listen to me, having given coffee away for free for seven years. And then that weekend, it was a dollar. And we were freaking out. We were like, are they going to like, like tip over the tables and like make a whip like Jesus did? And say, like, we cannot make this into, you know? No, like, and, and y'all got coffee for a dollar. We did that for a year. And we're like, man, we're losing our shirts. Man, this coffee's expensive. And it's like, whatever. We're going to go to $2 for a cup of coffee. And we were freaking out. 
And then you guys kept buying it, and we're like, oh, all right, now we eat out a little bit of a, a little bit of proceeds, and now we can actually support some missionaries and do some things. It's so awesome. It's a risk, right? 2018, we opened up Natural Discovery Early Learning Center. And somebody needs to check my mental state. So, a state licensed, state licensed childcare center is now open, and we have now made contact with some of our first Amazon employees this past week. We had five kids sign up for the childcare center this past week. We should be up to about 14 or 15 kids in March. Yeah. And let me tell you, you think that that's all great and that's all awesome and the risk involved and the desire to like give up, so great. So great. I mean, I... I don't know if I should go here. Should I go here? Yeah. I love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> We have screwed up so much. We really have. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to start a church when that was a place where a lot of the pain was for a lot of us that started Second Place. And it was like God was calling us back to the pain to create a place where we like to unchurch. And just keep it about Jesus only as much as we can. Talk about Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit, to be able to say, like, we are here because of Him. The hardest thing to do is to, see, is to have a vision and to see so many of you jump on board with it and then to feel the angst when you have to say goodbye to people because they, they, they say, this is not the direction that I want to be a part of. Sometimes with a conversation, those are hard. What's harder is without a conversation. And they just disappear. And I'm not saying that we didn't have a part in that. Because of the way that I'm wired, I'm kind of crazy, and I'm, I'm a little bit less on the details, and I'm like, sure, child care center, let's go. And I don't think about the stacks and stacks of paperwork that it's going to take for Sarah and Rachel to work through to find Christian teachers and directors to help care for those kids. And the way that I, I've led and the, way that I, that, and the way that we've moved through some of these things, we've hurt people. Maybe we've hurt some of you. And I want to say, I wasn't going to go. It's not going to my nose. Like, <laughs> but I do do this usually once a year where I want to apologize. And I'm going to apologize this way. If we've hurt you or if we've hurt you, you're listening on live stream, somebody tells you, listen to this, man, he apologized to you. Like, okay, great, here you go. <laughs> For something that we did or that we should have done, I want to say that I'm sorry because the church has hurt so many of us, including me, over the years that I, that was our goal, was not to be a place that would hurt people. But just because there's people and because there's vision and because it makes sense that there's going to be some people that are going to jump on board with that and some people that are going to say, I'm singing off a different page of music. Okay, it's going to happen. But I want you to know 
But if you're writing a different, you're on a different page, I want you to go write a different book, and I want to be your biggest fan. But if you're on the same page, man, we are going to continue in this direction. But 2009, is that fair? Because, yeah. Because here's what I won't apologize for. I won't apologize for what God has done in my life and the way that I think, because that's just the way that I think. And I'm not going to apologize that my wife sometimes, like, she will tell you like it is. And if you think you want the soft answer, talk to me. If you want the direct answer, you want to spill the tea, whatever that is, you know, that's where you go, all right? All right? I'm not trying to be cool. That's not, I'm way past that. But I'm not going to apologize for the way that we do what we do. We're going to take risks. But you know what we need to do? 2019, 2016, Provision Lab 2017, the story of 2018, Natural Discovery. 2019, we need a break. No. <laughs> We're not taking a break. It's get the beef jerky. If you don't know what that means, go to the website. There are past messages called beef jerky. So I have two things that I want to tell you about. Um, that are really exciting for us as a church. And the first one is, um, I'm going to actually let the video play first. I'd like to just have this video play and then I'll explain to you um, what the announcement is with this. So. so why am I here? Why are you here? It's because we know and believe that we can make a difference. It's time to step in to lead boldly and to lead courageously. use our power is the measure of our leadership. Great leaders use power to empower other people. Nobody can be you the way that you can be you. Your authenticity is your distinct competitive advantage. Legacy, my darling leaders, is a story about you that is yet to be written, but for which you hold the pen. Intentionally grow every day so that you will have capacity for more, more, and more before. If you're still excited about what you did five years ago, you're not growing. You need to think beyond your means. Dream something so amazing and so ridiculous that it gets you out of your comfort zone and it scares you to death. What instincts do is instincts allow you to pursue the possibilities instead of just protecting the probabilities. When we become successful in organizations, you know, sometimes comfort becomes more important than improvement. You have difficult conversations. They are simply part of being human, and how you handle those conversations defines your leadership. We are in desperate need of culturally intelligent leaders who are not fearful of difference, but who will lean into it and say, help me understand what's going on here. I learned such a crucial lesson, which is it's completely irrelevant who's right and who's wrong. The only relevant thing is the customer must always feel heard. If you want to be a success, identify a human need and reach out to solve it. Be relentless in what it is that you want to achieve, but not inflexible to how you want to get there. There's no such thing as winning business. 
There's no such thing as winning life. Infinite games are a part of our existence. The problem is, most of us don't know how to lead in an infinite game. The only true competitor in an infinite game is yourself. Your faith is not a way out of your courage. It is not a way around your sacrifice. Your faith is the strength and the fuel to step into your pain and into your fear and into your failures. Your life is too valuable. Your calling too great. Your God too good to waste your life on things that do not last. You are a leader. Go do what leaders do with God's help and by God's power. Leaders change the world. Some of you might recognize that as the Global Leadership Summit that's put on by Willow Creek Association. Second place is going to be a premier host site for that conference this coming year in August. And, and it's just a simulcast, but we're going to have about room for about 200 people in this place. We're going to have two days of leadership development. We're going to have it right here. The closest place to us is probably 20 to 25 minutes away. We already have business leaders that are interested in potentially sponsoring and helping us bring this thing here. But here's what, why this is a big deal. Um, number one, like we're in the middle of nowhere, and I just shot an email to Willow, and I was like, hey, what do you think? Could this maybe be a thing? And then they're like, oh, yeah, we'd like to talk to you. And then the next thing you know, they're actually, it's zero cost for us to bring them here and bring that simulcast here that, those two days, August 8 and 9. Um, and it will be available to you guys at a discounted rate. But the cool thing is that, um, yeah, they've made it really possible for us to do it. We're going to figure out how to feed 200 people two days in a row. We, don't, we shouldn't have a problem with that. I'm feeling like a little Chick-fil-A and maybe some Panera. I don't know. But we got to figure that out. But here's the thing, that we want you to understand that leadership development is important to us and that we want to help you move into that calling as well. And I really believe that bringing that... And you're like, oh, you know what? Willow, man, they've heard a lot of people. I've heard, I've heard some stuff in the news. Yeah, awesome. Guess what we do? We lead through the pain. And if you were a part of the Leadership Summit last year, you know that it was a powerful event, and we were totally affected by it. We brought about 15 people to it. We were donated registrations, and we were able to do that. That's the first announcement. Are you guys excited about that? The second announcement is this. Um, you know, we have had an open door to college students. I think that it's pretty obvious whether it's Olivet or, or Governor State or Prairie State or Juliet Junior College. Somehow, some way, y'all find this place, and all of us old people are like, oh man, I'm going to have to feel, I, I feel younger. Yes, I feel younger. Not older, I feel younger. <laughs> We love the, the fact that you're here, and we know that there are opportunities and there are callings on your life, and so we are going to be starting what we are calling the Second Place Residency at Second Place this year, and what that is is a two-year leadership development program for college graduates who have a call, his call on their life, to go into full-time ministry in the church, and the cool thing about this, if I could take a second, is this. I was like, you know what? Man, I really want to uh, like create something because, man, I, I feel like if we had a little more little more octane in the tank, a little more hands around, we could do some amazing things. And I'm like, maybe I'm going to write my own like 
leadership thing and we're going to do it man and I start like thinking through what that curriculum would look like and all that stuff and then I start googling stuff about this and all of a sudden I find out that somebody else has already figured it out Nicolette we've got a partnership that we're going to be able to connect with with 12 Stones Church in Atlanta Georgia they've done this for 18 years they have the curriculum it costs us a couple hundred bucks a year to bring it here and we're going to be able to offer that this coming June, and that is really scary for me to say. <laughs> but this coming June is when we want to kick that off. We've already got a couple people interested in that that have already heard about it, but it is, a, it is literally a full-time job, 29 hours a week, six different areas of leadership development, ministry practicum, a lot of different things that are going on. But we want to pour into the next generation and see you guys find that calling and go for it, and we're going to be there to cheer you on and be a part of that story. Are you guys excited about that? The band can come up. The band can come up. Um, here's, here's what I'll tell you. If you choose, I mean, what did I just do? What did I, man, I, sometimes I look back at my message and I'm like, what did I just do? Um, so we looked at like a brief passage in, in, in Genesis about Abraham and a brief passage in Exodus about Moses. And then we talked about how that decision to follow God's call is a thing that should speak to us. And here's what I'll say to continue those comparisons even further. If you choose to move out of your comfort, there is more blessing for you waiting. When Abraham moved out of his comfort, he found the blessing of God. He was able to connect into what God's story was for his life. If you choose to move out and take the risk to move out of your comfort zone, there is more blessing and more influence waiting for you. And if you choose to go into the pain and to move out of the pain, there is more freedom and deliverance for you. There is going to be freedom in you that you have never experienced before because you've moved to the pain and moved through the pain with Jesus. Here's the thing. You're going to be free to maybe sing today. Maybe you're going to be able to raise your hands the, tonight at the, at the worship night, and you're not going to care about what other people are doing. You're not going to wonder, should I hold the TV, or should I do the field goal? I don't know, but I'm just going to say this. Let me, by the way, let me tell you this before we get into worship, just so you know what's happening. I say this every few months. You are so concerned about what other people think you're doing. No one is thinking about what you're doing, okay? They're all thinking about what you're thinking about what they're doing. <laughs> Everybody is individually thinking that they're being watched, and that means no one's being watched. No one's being judged. And you know I'm right. That's why you're laughing. And so there's going to be freedom because you choose to go to the pain and move through the pain with Jesus. There's going to be freedom and deliverance for you today. And I believe that that is what second place stands for. That's why we're second. is because his call is so much more fun, so much more awesome, but so much more scary. I mean, some of the things that look back and some of the things that we're planning on on these two announcements I mean, today, I am freaking out. Like, how are we going to do this? And I love it. Because without Jesus, it's not going to happen. And without God's people, it's not going to happen. And there are things in your life. I could not do this thing called second place without every single volunteer that's volunteering right now. While you're listening to this message, they're back there with the kids. The first impressions team, the tech team, 
the finance team, the trustees, the people that heard God's call in 2009. People like Joe and Carrie Bushes, people like Doug and Stacy Carvel, people like Tyler and Stacy Carvel, Jordan and Catherine Short, Luke and Ashley Bushes. People that you don't even know who they are. But it's the people that were on the launch team and they've since moved out of state and they heard God's call and they said, we're going to create this with you. Dave and Valerie Short have persevered through the nine years and are with us still, pouring into this place. Can we just give it up for all of those folks that, that you made out of your own? Because without that support, without that support, without the people of God, and without that community around you to spur you on and that call for you, man, we would not be able to do near as much. So why don't we stand and why don't we take some time to sing to God and to tell him where we're at with his call. Lord, we just thank you, God, right now. We ask, Lord, that you would just inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, that as we sing about the fact that you are all we need, you are all we need. God, this is the truth that we want to declare today. That, Lord, when it comes to vision, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to being second, Lord, you are all we need. Everything else fades away. And Lord, as we round our time out this morning and we sing, Lord, that praise will be my song. How can I contain it? Lord, let us try to answer that. How can we contain the love that you have given us. Lord, we want these words not to just be words. These lyrics not to just be lyrics, but to be passionate cries to you. So Lord, help us to throw away all of the inhibitions and all of the what are people thinking and just allow us to find a spot in the warehouse if we need it or to raise our hands if we want to or to kneel down or to, to bow, whatever it is, Lord God, that we need to do to pray, Lord, that we would be able to do it because there's freedom in the house. Because your call is first. And whatever you tell us to do, wherever you tell us to go, we will do it. Because we are second. 